Hello, and welcome. Is it my turn to do an episode? No, Artemis, not this week. But I'm glad to hear you're so enthusiastic about our show. Well, I'm not going to be enthusiastic if this isn't going to be my episode. I don't think of the other episodes as not yours. No, most of them are your episodes. Our episodes. We are the Kinetic Paranormal Society. A pair of socks and a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space investigating the supernatural. You can't blame me for those episodes. Those are all on you. You're listening to Metacosmos. You said I would get an episode, Bartleby. This is not fair. I had a whole thing. I have notes. I have everything planned. Yeah, but I also, like, ended the last episode saying that we were going to cover plants today. Like how you can have relationships with plants to live a more magical life. Remember, we've got Hogwarts is hogwash out there listening. And they they want to know how to live a more magical life. And I, it's not going to be through one of your economics lessons, Artemis. Let's be honest. That's not very magical. But it's practical and it's useful. Yeah, well, it's not as cool as plants, so you're going to have to deal with that. No, but there's all sorts of ways in which knowing how economics works and the larger process with which you could say it's understanding how energy moves through society. Uh, honestly, it's kind of like some sort of twisted Frankenstein monster that's making a mockery of the natural flow of energy that exists, like, in nature, like, in the world. There's a flow of, like, the Earth, like, rotating around the sun and spinning and doing a little axis dancey dancey wiggle jiggle that makes, like, the winters and the summers and the seasons. And it's, like, it's, like, really beautiful and is mystical and all of life has, like, sprung from this process. And what what life has sprung from economics, Artemis? What life has sprung from your precious economics? Who's making a mockery of who now? Okay, so, like, yeah, we're going to talk about, like, plants. Because last week, we got a letter from Hogwarts' Hogwash. And they were saying that they wanted to live a more magical life. And, and I totally didn't remember to talk about plants before we got to the end of the episode. So, yay, we're going to have another episode addressing that awesome letter. Thanks, Hogwarts is hogwash. And we're going to talk about, like, plants because they're really awesome. And I don't know where humanity would be without plants. It's hard to argue with that. See? And where would they be without economics, Artemis? Probably a lot happier. Please, no, no, no. I'm not going to let you get away with that. Economics is not, like, the same as capitalism. It's just, it's just the science and study of how all of the energy and cycles and scarcity and the lack of something works and how, how people respond to it. Uh, it's, it's a science, you say? Yes. Then why doesn't it end in ology? But, wait, what? Yeah, economology? Why isn't that what it is? Well, that sounds very hard to say. Economology? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Y yes, it, it is ridiculous. I agree. So, yeah, shows what you know about science. No, wait, this isn't fair. That's not the same thing. Okay, well, moving on. We have an awesome episode today about how you can live a more magical life by, like, integrating your life with the plant people around you. 
Oh, okay, fine. Let's let's do an episode about that. Yeah. And, you know, if you're talking to plants, I highly recommend you start. Let's let's not mislead them. Talking to plants is a very one-sided experience. Yeah, okay. If you, you should definitely be listening to plants. Indeed. And one of the ways you can listen to plants, if you're, like, out there trying to have a conversation with a plant, is put it in your mouth and taste it on your taste buds. Wait, stop right there, Bartleby. I don't think we want to go telling people to put random plants in their mouth. Okay, okay. Let me take a step back. When you have a plant from the grocery store, start there. Start with the plants that are in your neighborhood being your refrigerator and at the grocery store. And, like, get to know those plants. I don't think people should just put the plants at the grocery store in their mouths either. Okay, I think you're supposed to, like, buy the plant first before you you put it in your mouth. Maybe do that unless they have, like, a taste-testing thing going on. But the, that's not my point. Do you even have a point? Yeah, I have, I have several points. Fine, go on, go on. So, yeah, um, point number one, you should uh, talk to plants. Listen to plants. With your tongue. Not all plants should be listened to with their tongues. Well, okay. You know, again, starting with the safe plants and, you know, maybe get a book so you can identify more plants to know who is safe to have that kind of conversation with. Bartleby, this is a very, very questionable experience we're endorsing. Uh, I don't think this is questionable at all. It's actually um, really cool because, you see, you got to start your relationships with plants somewhere. And uh, if you didn't get raised in a way like growing up in which the plants were like introduced to you, like people and friends, then you're going to have to like, you know, get to know them yourself. And the process you're suggesting that's just putting them in your mouth? No, get like a book about like plants in your area and like, you know, peruse it while you're out. And then look at the plants. Oh, and there's lots of apps you can get nowadays where you can you can photograph the plant and get to know it. But don't get too dependent on the app because the app is um, an illusion with your relationship with the plant because your real relationship with the plant really begins when you, like, taste it. Bartleby, again, there's toxic plants out there. And those are plants that people should have reluctant relationships with. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what we're promoting here. Yeah. So there's a lot you can learn from talking to a plant with your tongue. For instance, a friend of mine was telling a story about how they were hanging out with their friend. and They were, they were eating apples. Oh, uh, what kind of story is this? And they were eating their apples. And the friend of my friend says to my friend, they say, hey, you know, I bet the reason why they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away is probably because, like, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as people were, like, moving to the city in mass amounts, I bet people were, like, probably not getting enough fruits and vegetables because they were no longer living an agrarian lifestyle. And that just having an apple was, like, so significant, and they kept really well, except for when you have, like, a bad one in your barrel. But that's a whole another episode. Um... So, yeah, when you eat an apple a day, you're at least getting some nutrients that probably would get you healthier than everybody else living in a big, dense, stinky, dirty city that hasn't figured out how to do sewage yet. 
And that's why they say eat an apple a day. And my friend, they were like, okay, that's, that's, that's a neat theory. Let me check and ask this apple why. And so my friend, they, they bit into the apple that they were eating. And they, they said, hey, apple, what's up with the whole doctor a day keeps the apple away? That's not how the saying goes. Oh, that's not what they said. They were like, what's up with the actual saying and how it actually goes? And the apple was like, you feel that? You feel that, that, that little burny sensation that is in my juice? And my friend was like, yeah, I feel it, apple. They're like, it's that. That's what keeps the doctor away. Except for it's not the doctor. It's the things that the doctor is going to help you with. Like, like the little jeremies. Okay. And was it true? Well, my friend's friend was like, wow, that, that sounds pretty clever. But I think you make stuff up. So I'm going to um, actually check out and see what's real. And, and so, so my, my friend's friend, they pulled out this big giant book. And it's called Healing with Whole Foods. And what, what's that about? It's a giant, like, dictionary of foods. And they all, like, have different chapters for, like... What's, let's say, like an, a chapter on apples, for instance. Yeah, there's a whole chapter on apples. And it's by Paul Pitchford. It's like a really awesome book. You should definitely, like, if you want to, like, add a cool book to yourself about what makes the food nutritious and how is it medicinal, this would be a really good one for getting to know your favorite foods that you, like, your, your friends from the garden that you already know. So, yeah. So, anyways, the, the, the chapter on apples, it's like... It, it, my friend's friend reads the chapter on apples and it says there's an acid in the juice that like is like really bad for a whole family of germy germies. Germy germies. Is that, a, is that an official term? Well, no, but I don't have that chapter in front of me, so I'm just vaguely referencing it. You know, I have a problem with you doing this, Bartleby. And I just want to feel free to talk about what I want to talk about. That's obvious. And th- right now we're talking about how the-, the book confirmed my friend's conversation with the apple and said, yeah, that's for real. That's how it works. So, you know, you can learn a lot from talking to your food or listening to your food and like really paying attention. It's like it's like really cool. And that's a that's a really awesome thing that everyone should be practicing. You know, do you think the apple really said that? I do. Yes, I absolutely. I believe my friends when they said that they heard the apple say that. But they were just feeling like the burning sensation of the acid in the juice. Yeah. And how is it that they they could get that from the apple? Okay. Well. Okay. First of all, let's just like make sure everybody knows that plants are alive, and that they're like they're like alive. Okay. Yes. Like I can stand by that statement. Okay, so plants are alive. They're like totally um, uh, conscious beings. They like, they move around. And if you like watch them over time lapse, they're like doing stuff. They have like their own activities that they're up to. Isn't it mostly just collecting light? Yeah, that's, that's one of their favorite activities. So anyways, yeah, the plants, they do stuff and they move around and they live just like you and me. And they like, they have feelings and thoughts and 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 it's totally been studied. Has it now? 
Yes. Are, are you just pretending you haven't heard the studies? I think we talked about this, Artemis. Yes, I'm pretending. I'm trying to keep the conversation going and flowing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, yeah, it totally has. Like, there's a great book called Secret Life of Plants. Haven't a lot of those studies been debunked? Some of them, yeah, but uh, a lot of the studies are totally not debunked. But have they been replicable? Well, okay, I don't know if you know, but there's a replicability crisis in science in general, so don't go ragging on these studies for their replicability. But that still makes them less replicable, correct? Well, okay, some of these studies are totally replicable. And yet the results will vary depending on who's conducting the study and their relationship with the plant. That's like how studies with live creatures work. You know, you treat them differently, they treat you differently. You think about them differently, they think about you differently. Do the plants know what we think? Oh, oh yeah, they certainly do. Because like, okay, there's like this guy, he was like studying the lie detector tests. Those have been debunked, you know. Yeah, but they do stuff. They don't, maybe not telling you whether you're lying or not, but they, they measure the electrical pulses of the body and stuff. There's valid information, even if it's not telling you if you're lying or not. Okay, well, I'm very suspect of this. That's a good attitude, Artemis. Keep that up. Okay, so this guy, he was like late at night studying lie detector stuff, and he was drinking a cup of coffee. Or he wanted a cup of coffee, and he got himself a fresh, hot cup of coffee. At night? Yeah. That's not a very wise decision when it's already nighttime to get a fresh, hot cup of coffee. But that's what he did. And we're going to listen to this fellow about what he's observing in the world when he's making choices like that? Oh, oh, I forgot a part of the story. That's not a very good way to tell a story, Bartleby. Well, he had just hooked up the plant in his office to the lie detector test. And he thought, I'm going to get myself a cup of coffee. And then he thinks, oh, I wonder if I put this plant's leaf in the hot cup of coffee, what will happen? And right then, as he thought that, the little needle jumped on the lie detector. Oh, did it now? Yeah, the plant knew that this guy was was having crazy thoughts about putting leaves in in hot coffee. So what happened? Well, he went and got the coffee and he put the leaf in, in, in the cup and um, nothing happened. Then was it just a glitch in the machine? No, no. I, I can't remember the exact details, but what, what basically it came down to was it was responding to the initial thought of I'm going to do this to it. And then once, once it like got the bad experience, the plant was like more in a fugue state. It resigned itself to the tragedy that was coming its way. Oh, that's so sad. Yes, but it proved to the people who, who you, this is a repeatable study. It proves. How is it repeatable if you're going to get the, um, the plant to read your mind? Uh, okay, it's, that's, okay. Uh, this is a, a, a complicated to repeat study, but that they, they kept observing things about like the nature of the, the, the plants and their awareness of the space around them because they're totally alive and aware of things and working at a whole nother level than, than like your average like sentient little like like crawling on the earth creature. You mean an animal? Yeah, those. Totally different kind of conscious than animals. Oh, right then. So, yeah. So like he did other studies with the plants. Okay, they like, then I don't know if this was the same guy, but because the other scientists were like, dude, let's start, start hooking up plants to lie detector tests. That's awesome. So they were doing that. And 
And this was like in the 70s where dudes were like playing with new lie detector technologies. But they weren't new then, were they? Yeah, okay. Well, they were playing with them and they were setting up plans with them. And they did a study where like they sent like an assistant to go into a room and they're like, hey, here's what you're supposed to do today in the room. There's two plants. You're supposed to go and destroy the plant that is on on the, the left or something, or maybe the right. I don't remember the exact study, but you got to destroy one of the plants and this is the one you're going to go destroy. And both plants are hooked up to the lie detector test. And when the person came in, they were like, oh no. And they did the little needle jumpy thingy. Oh, so it is repeatable. Yeah. And then, then the, the person destroyed the plant. And then they had a bunch of other people coming into the lab all day with different chores, like wash the dishes or stack the blocks or whatever. I don't know what the chores were, but different assistants kept coming in the room doing different chores. And then like later they had the plant that didn't get killed. It was still in the room and hooked up to a lie detector test. And they had all the same assistants come back into the room to like do different chores on another day. And this, the assistant that was told to go destroy the plant, when they walked in the room, the needle jumped for the plant that had seen them kill their friend. So not only do they like know what you're thinking, they can also sense your guilt or they have memories, one of the two, or maybe both. You know, you can't tell. That is actually quite fascinating. But how does that account for how an apple is talking to you? Like, okay, maybe not the apple itself, but first of all, like an apple is still alive. As long as it's fresh, like that's still a living, like part of a plant. So like maybe that plant can still have a conversation with you. And maybe there's like a whole like dimension of energy. Like, you know, like there's the plaid dimension and the paisley dimension that all plaid and paisley come from. Yes. Well, like what if every daisy comes from the daisy dimension and there's a daisy fairy who sings them the daisy fairy song. And that's what tells the plant to grow into a daisy. Are you sure it's not genetics? Well, maybe genetics and the songs of fairies are the same thing. What if the fairy has to find the sheet music for how to sing the plant into existence and that sheet music is written in the DNA? Well, okay, that's a pretty good hypothesis. It's a pretty great hypothesis what it is. I wouldn't call it that. So, yeah, there's like knowledge that the plants have and are able to communicate to people because they're like these higher beings of another dimension. And the humans, they're like the, the homo sapien humans, most, I'm pretty sure all the humans and even maybe some non-human animals, but like, they're like listening to the plants through like their taste buds and through their stomachs and through their bowels and through like their Butts, I guess, too. That probably counts because, man, sometimes hot peppers have a lot to say on the way out. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm just like reporting back what I know. I've heard reports that sell me this. So, yeah, that's a thing. Like, your whole body is experiencing the environment around you. Does that mean you're having a conversation with plants when the pollen flies into your nose and eyes? Uh, yeah, that's a really intense argument with that plant. And it's, it's kind of. A little bit like, whoa, a little forward of you, plant, to like put your pollen up in my face. Indeed. Yeah. So that's something that you just got to work out with the plant. And honestly, you can start by making sure that you're taking care of your liver. 
by like doing good things for your liver, like not eating too late and cutting back on like fried foods at the end of winter and stuff. Really? Is that how that works? Yeah, it totally works. So anyways, yeah. So, you know, if you're having trouble with that conversation with the pollen, maybe it's your liver and you got to, you know, work on that. So does talking to plants and listening to plants has to do with listening to your body? Is that what you're kind of getting at? Well, yeah, it's like listening to your body and it's like listening, like again, to the plants and the plants are like flowing through you because let's be honest, you're made out of them and you're made out of creatures that are made out of them. So maybe there's like a conversation going on on a deeper level there. Have you ever thought about that? We, I, no, haven't thought about it. So, yeah. And like sometimes like the relationship that you get from like being aware of the plants in your area are super powerful. like. Like acorns. What? Wait, acorns? What are you? You're just changing the subject? Yeah, acorns. Like, they're toxic. And yet, native people have like a whole acorn mash they make. And there's like a bunch of stages and steps of smoking the acorns and soaking the acorns and, and all kinds of crushing and mashing. And if you don't do it in the right order, you're still going to have that icky toxin stuff that's going to make you feel icky. And it's not going to be a food. But people make food out of them. That is quite fascinating. I'd say it's the eighth wonder of the world. Wait, there's only eight? Well, no, but just the eighth one is acorns. Okay, then. So, yeah, and somehow people learn to do that. Did they do it with science? Well, probably, yes, doing a deduction process. Oh, come on. You think people just kept eating a toxic food until, like, they figured out how to make it not make them hurt? That's not how people function. People don't do that at all. Well, okay, good point. I have another theory. There was a really bad hunting year. Some people were out, maybe just one person, hunting and getting nothing. And then the natives came upon a, a bunch of acorns falling all over the ground. And they were leaning on the tree and they were just crying because they didn't want to go home with no food for their family. And the acorn tree heard them and was like, hey, what's up, buddy? And they're like, I got no food to bring to my family. And they're like, oh, dude, you don't, you don't have to worry about finding food. Look at all my seeds on the ground. Yeah, but those seeds are totally toxic and it'll make my family sick. Yeah, but all you got to do is do this and then do that and then do this and that and this and that. And they were like, wait, what? And the plant was like, yeah, just do that and then do this and then do that and this and this and that. And they're like, that's it? And they're like, yeah. And so they like started filling up a big old bag full of acorns and they came back to their tribe and their village and they're like dumped out the acorns and everyone's like dude what are you doing with those toxic like little nuts and they're like you're nuts and then they started like doing all the this and that and this and that and the soaking and the smoking and the, all the things that makes the acorns become food and then they ate them and it was delicious and they didn't get sick so all their friends and family were like I want to bite and then they were like the next day they were at the acorn grow picking up the acorns going, these are going to be nommers. And that's how the acorns taught the humans how to make acorn mash. And that's why humans are doing so good to this day at being human. Hmm. That is a very, actually quite plausible story, knowing acorns the way I do. So, yeah, that's why you got to listen to your body, know what you want to eat by, like, really paying attention. Like, did you know, like, potatoes taste so much better with, like, some milk on them? Milk? We want, you know, like, butter or cheese. Oh, okay, then. And when you eat potatoes with dairy, it's a complete protein. 
So when you're like, wow, this is really good when I put cheese on it, or this is really good when I put the butter on it, it's because your body knows that you've just enhanced what you can make out of it. Your, your body and the plants, like again, it's like a relationship. And, and that's why it's so important that people like have like a relationship with plants because that is way more important than a relationship with economics. Uh, why do you have to just drag economics suddenly? Because, you know, have you heard the saying? There's a saying that says, if your soil is strong and your dollar collapses, you'll be fine. You'll get through it. But if your dollar is strong and your soil collapses, you're pretty screwed. But what's that have to do with plants? Plants grow from soil. Come on. We all die and go in the soil. It's a, it's a cycle. The cycle of life is like the real cycle. And the cycle of economics uh, is n- just not it, Artemis. I think there's still something we can learn from studying the reaction we all have to scarcity. That I can't argue with. So you're not arguing against having economics for an episode? No, no, not at all. We'll probably do that someday. Someday? Yeah, but just not today. So, thanks all for listening. But next week, maybe. Uh, uh, Who knows? Who knows what we're talking about next week? We could just decide right now. Yeah, well, maybe we should uh, just not decide right now? It's going to be economics. We're deciding right now. Okay, then. So, yeah, thanks for coming out. I'm Barlaby Nihai. And I'm Artemis Nihai. And you're listening to Metacosmos. Metacosmos is produced in association with Humboldt Hot Air. HumboldtHotAir.org. You gotta listen to that. It's awesome. And you can also listen to Metacosmos back catalog wherever you listen to episodes. And, like, leave us a review and tell us about how much you love us. Because I am just a little sock that needs the encouragement. And check out our website, KineticParanormalSociety.com. And you can see all sorts of cool stuff. This show is produced by Isaac Bluefoot. Isaac Bluefoot also produces other podcasts like Superman, Son of El, the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent. Go to SonofElPodcast.com and you can listen to Awesome Adventure. And, and you can also get yourself a deck of Omen Quest cards at OmenQuestCards.com. And if you want to give some support to Isaac Bluefoot and his creations, go to patreon.com slash bluefoot. You guys are the best. I have the best times with you, and I'm so glad that we get to do this together. I I hope we can stop doing this. But do you realize what you're saying to all the people out there listening right now? You're breaking their hearts, Artemis. There's no one listening. There's people listening for sure. So you're the best people listening. I love you. So, we are doing an economics episode. Well, you like to think everything's economics, right? Well, in a way, yes. So, of course we're doing an economics episode. But wait, what's that mean?